This amazing experience is a place where you too can connect, discover, grow, and leave for God here at Common Bond Church. Well, now we are going to turn to the scriptures. I'm excited to be able to share a message with you that is described and titled as reversing an unrighteous lifestyle. We're going to hear one song by Candace Harden, and then we'll immediately hear that word. Right where you are, let's go to God and worship today. We come to give him the glory, give him the honor for who he is, not just for what he's done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, if I find favor in your sight, Lord, please hear my heart's cry. I'm desperately waiting to be Cross the hottest dance. 
the Lord 
You know, there is a, a, a certain presence that happens when you worship the Lord. You know, the worries, the cares that you actually have in your life suddenly can just go away because you're getting into another atmosphere, another realm with God. And so I thank God this morning that we're able to uh, worship him in song. And thank you for those songs that we've been singing today because they have been doing good for my soul. And I pray they've been doing good for you as well. Well, now we're going to turn to something that's even better than worshiping the God in song. And it's actually hearing and proclaiming God's word. It has the power to be able to change our life, uh, to be able to do us good for not only one day, but all of eternity. So let's open up the scriptures today. And we're going to read Romans chapter one, beginning at verse 18 down to verse 32, a powerful, powerful, powerful uh, punch that we're going to hear today in the scripture. So, so brace yourself. You might need to, you know, hold on to something as we hear these scriptures, because they're very powerful this morning. Verse 18 says these words, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness who by their unrighteous uh, deeds suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived things that have been made ever since the creation of the world. So they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they actually became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortable God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity for the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator instead of the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. In verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women, this exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up natural relations with men, with women, and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameful acts with men and receiving in themselves the penalty due for their error. And since they themselves did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, Malice, they were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They were gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. <laughs> Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. My God, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for our opportunity to worship and gather with you this Sunday service. Although we're thankful for the singing of your word, of the praise that we've been able to give to you. It does our heart well. And Lord, we pray that you have been pleased with our giving our praise toward you today. Lord, we are thankful that we also have been able uh, to pray to you and to give our cares over to you. 
And Lord, we are now asking as we hear God's word, as we hear the proclaimed word of that is in your Bible, that it begins to speak to our heart, that it begins uh, to do what is necessary. Lord, you have a purpose for your word that we be changed and be conformed to the image that you desire us to be. So, Lord, let this word speak to us and do us with tremendous power that only comes from the gospel of God. Lord, I pray that uh, we receive it. And Lord, I, I humbly ask that you allow me to decrease so that the Holy Spirit can actually speak to me so that we all can uh, clearly hear the word of God and be moved by it uh, so that our lives are changed forever. Lord, I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? The magic mirror responded, well, you are queen. You are the fairest in the land. But also there is another that is more fair than you. I'm sure you've heard that uh, nursery rhyme in, in one of your um, either watching Snow White in either a book or even watching the movie. But, you know, that's one of those famous lines that we've actually all heard growing up. And what's powerful about that is that the evil queen did not like the truth that the magic mirror actually described to her. And she did everything in her power to actually change that truth in her own personal life. Well, today I want to share with us that the one that has all truth in our life is God. You know, God is the magic mirror in our own personal life. He speaks to us clearly to tell us who we are, whether or not we like it or not. And whether or not we like it or not, God is saying, if you can actually just acknowledge my truth, you can understand my perfect and good will for your life. But oftentimes uh, we are like those that we read in the scriptures who actually have rejected God's perfect will for our life. And we are left with a mess in our hands, full of disruption, full of chaos, full of all the evil that is in this world. And so I want to share a message with us today, how to help us to actually always live in that perfect goodwill of life to reverse what I would describe as an unrighteous lifestyle. So let's begin by going down in scripture at verse 28. I want to go down here uh, at verse 28, because as you have uh, already have, have read the summary of Romans chapter one, verses 18 through 20 uh, through 32, I'm sure you have been able to recognize that there are uh, some of these sins that speak more profoundly to you than maybe they do to others. And uh, maybe you're, you're hearing some of the things that we read in Romans chapter one, verses 18 through 32. And you're saying, man, I think that somebody actually needs to hear this right now because it actually explains the wrath of God. It explains how we actually live in this world and why things are the way that they are. Um, but also you may have overlooked some of the things that may relate to your life. And, and so I want to start, you know, by handling some of the, the most difficult and, and the hard parts of this passage. And, you know, this passage speaks about history. It speaks about all of mankind since the beginning of time, what has happened in their life. And, and we all know it well. We know Adam and we know Eve and we know that they ate from the apple doing something that God did not actually call them to do. And as they ate from that apple, they left the presence of God and all of the perfect and goodwill that God actually had for their life. And they were faced. 
now to live in toil. They were faced to work. They were faced with sorrow. They were faced with pain. They were faced with actually even seeing their own child kill his brother. You know, they face all these hardships and difficulties that we ourselves actually live through every single day. And this is part of the experience of God being able to tell us all that he is Almost as in that sense, because we have decided as a people not to follow his perfect and good will, that he has left us to live a life without him. You know, live a life without all of his goodness, all of his good character. And so uh, as you're reading this today, <laughs> I can at least easily talk about some of the things that that are shared here that we all may not practice in our own self and we can camp on those things. But today I want to make sure that we focus on the things that are right in our alley, that are right in our homestead. And that's why I want us to start actually with verse 28, because at verse 28, uh, it begins to get real for us. Because God begins to say to all of us who are listening uh, to this message here today, it says, for this reason, uh, uh, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do not what they ought to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They were gossips, slanders. Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who actually practice them. <laughs> so I wanted to emphasize that because maybe in the earlier part of the chapter, you didn't recognize yourself. But if you actually continue to read, I'm sure you're like me, that you recognize that you fit in some kind of character of what God is actually saying here. And so I wanted to first uh, begin by helping us understand, well, what is God really saying to us in passage? He's saying in history, in verse 28, that these people who have come up in life did not see fit to acknowledge God. And to acknowledge God simply means to retain his knowledge of how God actually created us to live and make that be the source of your life. I want to say that again, to retain and to acknowledge the, the, all that God is saying to you in your life and to make that the source of all that you live. God says that the world didn't do that. Instead, they rejected him. And so God gave them up to do what they ought not to do. Another way to be able to think about that, God says, well, if you don't want me to be part of your life, I'll let you just do it by yourself. You know, I'll let you be able to be part of a world that does not have me in it. And whenever God is not part of the world that is not in it, all it is is a world of darkness because the only good light the only good truth, the only good goodness that there is actually comes from God. And whenever he separates himself from life itself, uh, we are faced in the world full of darkness and we end up doing things that we ought not do because God is not the source of our life. You know, he begins again by by describing some things I'm sure that you may see in your own life. You know, not only uh, we, may we be covetous people wanting things that we should not want. Uh, we may be doing evil that we should not be able to do. Uh, we may be people who are boastful and prideful about how good we are and how uh, we like things the way that we like them. We may be gossipers. We like to talk about other people and the things that they actually go through in our life. Uh, we may be uh, haters of God, insolent, boastful. You know, we may be all those things. And, and I want to describe that because oftentimes 
we believe that our sin is not greater than somebody else's sin. You know, we like to look at what other people are doing and say, how could that individual do such a nasty act? How could this person live this kind of way? That is not of God himself. When we actually ignore all the things that God actually says about our own personal life. So I wanted to share with us today is that when we actually look in the mirror of God, when God actually speaks to us, he begins to share with you and to share with all of us that what we experience as sin is no different than when we think somebody else is experiencing on the other side of the fence. You know, our sins are just as equal as him. And he says that all of us will, will live in a manner in verse 32 that is worthy and, and deserving of death you know, worthy and deserving of death because God and his presence just does not experience, you know, both of those the same. Now, <laughs> if you're just hearing this for the first time, you know, this is what is described as the gospel of Christ Jesus, the gospel that actually enables us to understand that if we ever hear the gospel clearly, it tells us that our life uh, is, is full of all kinds of evil, all kinds of deceit, all kinds of darkness. And that God says that because of that, you know, we, were, we are deserving of a penalty. But only through Christ Jesus are we able to have that cleanse and have that walk in a newness of life where God actually desires us to be. So I wanted us to, to first think about, you know, not, not recognizing that when we read these kind of chapters and we read what, what the Apostle Paul is saying, we're not excluded from the conversation where God says that you live in some kind of manner of unrighteousness. Yes, you may believe in me. Yes, you may love me. Yes, yes, you may worship me. But sometimes you live in a manner of unrighteousness. And when we live in a manner of unrighteousness, the Bible actually describes to you and describes to us in verse 28 that we are not acknowledging God and understanding his perfect will. And so I wanted to give us this example because, you know, some of us may not be, be hearing it the way that we need to hear it. Now, there is a, a man in the Bible. His name is the Apostle Paul. And I want to describe him modern terms. In, in modern, modern terms, you know, what I would describe the Apostle Paul as a great man who loved God. You know, a great man who knew all the scriptures. You know, a great man who was uh, doing his best to be educated about all that he knew he could be educated about in God. I would also describe him as highly educated. You know, in a modern time, maybe I would think of him as a highly uh, scholarly professor out of one of the Ivy Leagues. He was that educated in his world. But at the same time, he actually found out in his own personal life that he actually fit these characteristics as well. He wasn't a nasty person out on the street uh, doing things that were outside of his relationship with God. But his error in God actually led him to be a person who Jesus Christ described as someone who was persecuting God himself persecuting God himself because he was out slandering Christians. He was, you know, saying that they were false and they were not living life according to God's standards. You know, he even was ready to arrest them and put them in prison and murder them if that was necessary so that he could actually prove his errant, errant, errant relationship with God. And so as you think about the apostle Paul today, 
What I wanted to share with you is that he fits in our categories. We might be good people. We might be people who love God, but in some kind of way, there is still something that is actually missing in our life that does not enable us to fully acknowledge God. And so my desire, my goal here today is to help us to see, can we look at the mirror of God and actually recognize who we really are so that we can allow God to actually change our lives and be what God calls us to be? Because what, what, I, what I want us to do is actually think about ourselves in a humble manner. I want us to consistently always recognize recognize that we're like the Apostle Paul, where God be able, is able us to say that I want to meet you on the road to Damascus. I want to actually show you exactly who you are, and I want you to change your life to actually let it let me meet you at that place that I actually need you to be met. I actually need to speak to your heart and actually tell you what you need to hear so that you can live a life that is actually fully in me. So what is it in your life that you can actually see from this list today that you say, well, that is me. You know, that is who I actually sometimes am. And sometimes I don't want to be that individual. You know, I looked all the way down at verse 32 where the scriptures actually say, for they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve die. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. That's one of the verses that really, you know, was a, a, uh, a poker in my heart, you know, where it says that we approve of things of those who practice them. You know, I would like to say that, you know, I'm not a practicer of, of, of what is described as the LGBTQ community. But because of the context of the culture that we live in, you know, sometimes I like to say, well, it's none of my business how they practice and how they actually live out their lives, you know, is between them and God. But in, in, if I am saying those things that way, you know, until I actually read this scripture, what I'm really saying is that I'm approving of those kind of acts. You know, if I see somebody that is, is boastful and pride and, and, and I am approving of those things, and, instead of agreeing with God and say, those are things that, that are truly unrighteous. You know, God is saying to you and he's saying to me, we're still in that same camp. Even if you're not performing that kind of act, if you're not in agreement with God, God still kinds of says that we are some kind of unrighteousness in him. And so I don't want this to be a Debbie Downer message, but I want us to be able to understand that God wants us to look at the mirror of his righteousness and his righteousness is always good. The righteousness of God just simply means his attributes, who he is, who his character is, and his character is all goodness. His character is all love. His character is healing. His, his character is prosperity. His character is what God actually decided to create in the garden of evil. The Garden of Eden was this place where God said that I want to create this perfect place for my children, this perfect place for my creation. And I want to give them everything that is actually necessary in their life. That is the righteousness of God. And God is always saying, that's what I want to share with you. But when we choose not to, to live and acknowledge God and all that we do, we actually face, you know, a, a dark, dark world. And so, again, I want to ask you that question because uh, of where you actually fit on this list, because now I want us to meet Christ Jesus, because God actually wants us to get to a place where we are acknowledging in humble fashion, here is who I am. Lord, can you fix it? Lord, can you actually fix me so that I can acknowledge you in a true way? Because what I want to share with us today is that there's no way to fix the evils that we see on this list in our own power. We can't be more educated. 
Uh, we can't actually try to be more holy. We can't actually try to clean ourselves up. We can't hide from it. Uh, we can't get more counseling. There's nothing that we can actually physically do. The only thing that we can do is actually be like the apostle Paul and meet Christ Jesus on the road to Damascus. Because on the road to Damascus, he was a man. I want to say this once again. A man who was scholarly, educated, a man who loved God, a man that he thought that he was doing all the right things. But one thing was missing. He never had Christ Jesus. And until he had Christ Jesus, he couldn't see the error of his ways, the error of his heart. And you and I may be in that same camp here today where we may think that we love God and we do love God, but there is still some error, still some unrighteousness. And so we've got to meet Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. We've got to allow him to actually speak to our heart and say, yes, I know that you love me, but I want you to see that there's a little bit of unrighteousness in your life that is not allowing you to experience the full goodness, the full will that I actually have for your life. And what is that in your own life? Because God wants us to meet him today so that we can acknowledge it, to humbly come before him so that he can actually change our lives and forever. And when God begins to change our life, it means that we live that way every single day. You know, we humbly come before him and say, Lord, you know, today I see that I'm outside of your plan. I'm outside of what the scripture describes as a righteous man, a righteous woman. I want to come back. I want to meet you on the road to Damascus again. I want to meet you consistently over and over again. And that's what the gospel of God does for us. It meets us everywhere we're at consistently so that we can actually live faith by faith. You know, in the areas where we actually don't trust God, God says that that's an area of unrighteousness where I actually want to meet you. You know, in the areas of your life where you're actually doing it by yourself on your own, that's an area where God says, I didn't create you to do anything in life on your own. You know, there's an example that I wanted to share with us about individuals who actually just tried to live life on their own without God. You know, there were individuals who decided that they wanted to build a stairway to heaven. They wanted to actually use the resources of their creative creativity, their intelligence, their wisdom. And they said that we want to ascend, you know, to the status of God by creating our own ladder to heaven. And God was saddened and he was grieved at that saying because he's because they wanted to live life without him. And he says, I wish that I never created man. You know, oftentimes in our reality of society, I believe that we live in that state. You know, we have the Internet. Uh, we have technology. You know, we have the, the best cars and the best military equipment that the world has ever seen. And sometimes it seems that we don't actually even need God. Where God is saying to all of us that I never created my creation to actually live in that state. Everything that God actually wants us to do, he wants us to walk lock in step with him, hearing his wisdom, hearing his guidance, uh, 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 having conversations with him so that we are always in partnership with God. That's what it actually means to acknowledge God, to retain his word, to hear his knowledge about what he created us to be in this life. And when we do such things, um, we will get to this place where we experience the perfect will of God. What I want us to, to think about is, do any of us really even want the good and perfect will of God in our life? You know, and if your question is yes, you know, that's good. If your question is no, uh, your answer is no then I wanted to share with you that the perfect and good will of God is really wrapped up in what I would again describe as, as that Garden of Eden picture. Think about the Garden of Eden. Think about how it's described in the Bible. It describes this perfect picture where a man and a woman 
and the first creations of humanity are given this place to live by God. They don't have to work. Uh, they have no stress. They have no anxieties. They have no worries. Uh, they have no cares that they actually have to come through. They're not burdened. Uh, there is no sickness in their life. Uh, they're able to live for all of eternity. You know, God created for them this perfect and good will, but yet and still they rejected it. But the, but the point is, is that the perfect and good will of God is what's available in God's mindset for you and I. And God says, if you just acknowledge me, if you retain the knowledge that I have for you as is your created creator in this world, you can have this perfect and good will in your life. You know, that's why we worship on Sundays. That's why we actually come to give God praise, because in this short hour, in this short hour and a half that we worship, it enables us to be um, distracted from the world. I would say in a better sense, you know, we come out of the world's troubles, the world's issues, and we come into an experience that is, is, is heavenly. An experience we get to worship God where the burdens and our cares are actually released onto God. We give him the praise. We give him prayer. We hear God's word so that we can be realigned. It's an opportunity for us to be consistently refreshed. What God is always saying to us as well is that he wants us to live in that kind of constant state. Yes, we live in this world, but he wants us to live with an eternal mindset, with a salvation mindset with faith always on our mind, recognizing that in his reality, we can overcome this world that is far from him. But it actually takes us to live by faith, to believe his truth, to recognize it as something that is greater. And that's always hard. That's hard for me. And I know that's hard for you because there are some times where you just don't want to get into prayer. You know, sometimes you don't want to read God's word. Sometimes where you don't want to worship the burdens and cares of this life weigh us down so heavily that we think that we don't have the time to actually worship and acknowledge God the way that he deserves. You know, sometimes the work that is on our table, you know, feels us too much that we think that we don't have time to actually get into the presence of God. Well, today I wanted this to remind you. I want to encourage you to make God's presence the priority of your life. Make meeting God on the road to Damascus the necessary thing that you actually need to do every single day because the world is coming. The world is ready to tear us apart, but God's presence enables us to go through it with a smile on our face, with faith, always with the perspective, with hope, always with the goal in mind, because God desires us to always have his goodwill and perfect will lived out in every single reality of our life. And so will you do something here with me today? Every time you hear uh, mirror, mirror on the wall, when you begin to think about God actually saying to you, I've got truth now to say to you, you know, will you let him be the truth in your life that recognizes all the dark and messy places in your life? Because when we don't recognize the dark and messy places in our life, we allow ourselves to be conformed so much to what the world is. And we know what the world is. We know it's a place that is not as enjoyable as the place that God actually has prepared for his perfect people. You know, a place that God has prepared for the righteousness of God. You know, God wants us to recognize and understand that we need him desperately. I need him desperately. You need him desperately. Will you begin to hear his truth today uh, and make a commitment to be able to say, Lord, today, I want to meet you on the road to Damascus consistently. I want you uh, to speak to me in prayer. I want to open up your word of God and let it penetrate my heart. I want to worship you in song. I want to be able to sing your praises and they actually touch me in a way that actually brings me to my knees so that you can actually show me clearly who 
who you are, how righteous you are, and the perfect plan that you actually have for your life. If you recognize that some of the issues that we described here in Romans chapter one fit your life, I want to pray a prayer over you and over our lives together so that we can actually reverse this unrighteous reality in our life. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for actually being the mayor of truth in our life, for speaking it. Lord, we begin to confess that, Lord, we see who we are in the scriptures that you have written, and we confess them over towards you. Lord, begin to help us to meet Jesus Christ, who is the only one that can cleanse us from all sin, all unrighteousness. Lord, we pray that the gospel that we have heard today, that he can actually cleanse us because he died, was buried, and was raised from the dead, that we hold that true in our life. Lord, we believe that he has the one who died and was buried and was raised from the dead, and we believe that for eternal life and also the cleansing of our sin. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, love for you to connect with us either on social media or even on our website. We have a connect card that you can actually fill out and let us know that you prayed a kind of prayer that we have prayed here today. Well, what an exciting day we had at Common Bond Church. You know, I am so thankful that you've actually joined us to worship. I never take it for granted that we have an opportunity to actually share God's word and have a worship together. So thank you so much for joining us. I want to leave us with one word, last word of benediction. May the grace of God be with us. May the mercy of God be with us. We have one true savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Let us all go in peace and have a great wait week. I hope that you're connecting with others this week in some kind of form or fashion. Amen. Not going back, moving ahead, here to declare to you, the past is over, you, things are made